You know, Lamentations chapter 3, if you uh, are looking for it, it is in the Old Testament. Lamentations is part of our wisdom literature, and it's, you know, you have Jeremiah, Lamentations is his written material. And if you, uh, it's in between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It, on my, I'm on page 722, so let me make sure, yep, 722, so that's, the, that's where you want to be. Uh, if, you, if you're in Matthew right now, you're, you've gone too far. Uh, <laughs> Lamentations is an apps. Uh, it's an amazing, uh, it's one of those, you read that, it's only five chapters. Uh, but uh, chapters one and two, four and five, they're really rough. Uh, if, you, if you haven't read it in a while, they're, they're sort of depressing. Uh, and you just want to say, thank God for chapter three. Because in between two chapters that aren't very exciting uh, on either side of the bookends is this amazing uh, chapter 3 that reminds us of hope and reminds us that, you know, we do have a new year, emphasis in a positive way. Otherwise, we get stuck with something that's pretty negative. It's interesting, too, that if you don't know this, Lamentations is a book of poetry. It was written with... Hebrew poetry in mind, not like we think of poetry, but the, the thoughts of it are, are connected to each other. It's designed in a very specific way. Matter of fact, the good news is the first two chapters weren't very exciting. There's only 22 verses in them. But then you get to chapter 3, which is really positive. There are 66 verses in that one. Can you say amen to that? So you got, you got three times the number of positives over what's a negative, right? And they kind of did this in a special way because every three verses they put a new Hebrew alphabet. So if you get your Hebrew Bible out, you'll notice the alphabet being used in a poetic, uh, in a poetic way to kind of talk to us about the experiences that uh, Jeremiah is sharing with us. It's really kind of interesting because, you know, Jeremiah has been known as kind of the uh, suffering prophet or the, the depressed prophet. I, I've read him a lot. I, I think I could diagnose him with clinical depression. Uh, poor guys, just going through a lot. I'm just going to pick up a few verses because Lamentations chapter 3 was important to me in my journey over the last couple months because uh, two verses in particular, which I, we're going to look at, just have meant so much to me. Those were two verses I held very close to me when I was in the hospital, when I've gone through a lot of different things. And they have been two verses that I love throughout my life. I mean, since I've been, uh, I remember these growing up in, in, in a Jewish home, they became so significant as a believer because of what it means. Um, I want, I'd like to share that with you because it is a new year. Now, we've got to start off with, okay, we want to keep this in balance because we're just going to be looking at verses 18 through 20 of chapter 3. And it starts off, verse 18, um, Let me just read it. Uh, So I say, again, this is Jeremiah talking. My splendor is gone. Not good. And all that I had hoped from the Lord. So my splendor is gone. All that I hoped from the Lord is gone. I remember my affliction, my wandering, the bitterness, the gall. I well remember them. I love this translation, I well remember them. We'll come back to that in a second. And my soul is downcast within me. Okay, suffering is part of life. 
you and I need to recognize that it's part of what's going to be the experience of every human being. And if anyone tells you different, they're lying. I've heard some people somehow suggest that you become a believer and you're not going to ever suffer. That's not true. Um, and if you say it's true, you're, you're also lying. So. And lying is a sin, by the way. So, um, and it, and there, there's some mistaken myth that somehow we can avoid suffering. That's not going to happen to any of us. That's just, you know, again, our experiences in life. There's just no way to avoid it. It's a truth. But how we do it and how we see it. See, there's something here that I want you to note that really stood out because it's, it's an interesting translation. It says, I remember my affliction. Then he says, I well remember them. That's like an emphasis in the Hebrew there because in the language that this is written in, the Hebrew language, there's the idea of reenacting and recalling when it comes to remembering. So when he talks about, I well remember them, he's not just recalling them in his head, he's reenacting them in his head. And that's the problem. One of the things I've noticed when people are struggling with life and trying to get through their suffering is, we all have to make a, a transformation in how we view what we've been through. Because if we just continually to reenact the negative and the, the trauma and the hurt of it, then it has a very powerful effect in our lives. And that's true for every human being. But it's interesting because God can take us into a place where we no longer reenact it. We can remember it, but we remember it differently. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Jeremiah. He's going to be able to make this transition and really, it's, it's a transformation that happens by the Spirit of God. The danger is, is too often we live our Christian life transactionally rather than in the idea of a transformational life that God brings to us. So what we end up doing because of how we remember, we bring the past into our present as if it's still alive. And then we project that into the future as if it's going to happen again. And when you start living that way, well, you're Jeremiah, and you're going to write, my splendor is gone, and uh, my hope is gone, and all I can think of is my affliction, my wandering, my bitterness, and my gall. I, I well remember them. And I want you to realize you're living with that in your head. I want you to hear this word from God. He doesn't want you to live with it in your head. He wants you to experience the healing power of Jesus, the Spirit of God that can come and change all that. God's come to deliver us. And our understanding of who God is is so important. See, Jeremiah, he's sitting right now outside the broken walls of Jerusalem. The Babylonian forces have come in, and they've basically devastated Jerusalem, and they have taken captive an entire people. This is an invasion. And basically what happens in the Babylonian at this time, when they took over any culture... They wanted to assimilate them into their culture so that they would take them away from their home and basically enslave them, take them as prisoners, take them into, into where they lived and try to incorporate the Babylonian way of living and get them to lose their way of life and adopt you know, the Babylonian way of life. And literally, people are if you can imagine, there is Jeremiah on a platform. People are walking by and being led. And basically, Jeremiah is crying out to the people, listen to me, it's going to be okay. 
Now, they're walking out in their captivity, being led from their homes, being led away from their land. They're headed someplace that is going to be brand new, dangerous, not the same. They're going to wake up tomorrow in a whole new place, and Jeremiah is wanting them to wake up with this thought. God's mercies will still be there. Even though you're in a different place, even though you've been taken captive, even though all these ugly things are happening, Jeremiah wants you and I to hear this. The Word of God wants you and I to hear this. It's repeated throughout the Bible. The Scriptures tell us over and over again, even though this is happening, when you wake up, God's still there. It's going to be okay. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But it's going to be okay. Because God's grace is always with us. Can you say amen to that? God's grace is always with us, even when you're being held captive. Even when you feel trapped by the things of life. You see, there's really five very powerful things that are being said here. And you can see on the slide there. Number one, there's hope. He says, Jeremiah is telling them that, don't forget, we have hope. You call powerful word, in him, because, number two, his great chesed, his love, and number three, because of his compassions, rakem, they never fail, the love and compassions are new, kadashim, every morning, and number five, great is his faithfulness, can you say amen to that, five very important words. If there are five Hebrew words that I wanted you to learn, these would be the five. Because what this contains is absolutely powerful. We're walking this journey of the amazing promises of God. We're going to walk it all the way up until we move into uh, February. And the Lord's promised something to you and I. Hope. (sighs) Say the word hope with me. Hope. One more time. Hope. Love that word. I love feeling that word. Here's why I have hope. Because of who God is. Not because of who I am. My hope comes from the fact of who the Lord is. God made a declaration. I am. And that's why we have hope. I am. You're not. We cannot have hope any, in any way apart from God. So let's read this again. Lamentations 3.21. This is the key couple verses here. I want you to read this out loud with me. Let's do this together. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Stop. Let that ring in your head right now. I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Let's continue. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. Let me stop for a second. We'll come back to this. You'll notice compassions, plural, not compassion, compassions. Continue. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God makes this promise to us that we must never forget he made a covenant with with his people and we are his people. 
Here's the thing that I want you to understand. This is a one-sided covenant. You and I can come involved, can get involved with it by what we choose, but the Lord says, I'm going to make a covenant promise with you regardless of what you do, regardless of who you are. My grace is going to be available to all of human creation, and it doesn't matter what you do or don't do, because God says, I will provide Ephesians 2, my grace to you, if you're willing by faith to receive his grace. And that grace transforms you. It's not a transaction. See, if you see this as a conditional issue, then it's transactional. It's no longer transformational. And so you and I have got to see this the right way. Because God made this commitment to us. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Period. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Repeated throughout the word. See, here's what I've learned about God and who he is. He's 100% absolutely unconditionally in love with us. Have you ever said to yourself, no one loves me? Well, that's just not true. God loves you. More than you'll ever understand. And so because of this, because of who God is, we have this amazing thing called hope. And so the hope that we have is a waiting hope. It's an expectation of what's going to happen. The word in the Hebrew, yakal, say that with me, yakal, is an amazing word. Because what it means is that we wait with expectation. It's like a tension occurs while we're waiting. It's literally like the picture of you imagine a cord being stretched getting tighter and tighter, and as that cord says, you, you kind of have an anticipation of what's going to happen, how far can I stretch this till something happens? And that's the hope that God has for us. He says, you keep waiting because something is going to happen, but you're going to feel the tension of it. But something is going to happen because of who God is and his commitment Aren't you glad that it's not dependent upon you? The Lord says, well, let's read it again. Begin. Yet this I call to mind. Ready together. Yet this I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. Stop. I have an expectation. Why? Okay, continue. Because of the Lord's great love. Stop. Chased. Say that with me. Chased. That's the love we're talking about. Let's continue. We are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Chased. That's the kind of love that God has for us. And here's what it means. You ready? Hased means God is promising, I will never walk out on you. I'm never going to walk out on you. You see, a lot of us have experienced people that we know and love and care, and people important in our life, they've walked out. We've had a parent, a sibling, a spouse, I mean, a friend, someone, and we experience that, and then it leaves a mark in us. We feel abandoned. 
And I think people sometimes wonder, God, when are you going to finally have enough of me and walk out? God, when are you finally going to get tired of my complaining? When are you going to get tired of my ongoing inconsistencies and my, I'm just always messing up, God. It's almost like we want to sabotage the relationship because we think, you know, if it was me, I'd walk out on me. What are you still here for? And God looks at you and says, I am never going to walk out on you. God, let me see how bad I can make it. And God says, I'm never going to walk out on you. And you start living this way, knowing God will never, ever walk out on you, no matter what you do or don't do. Now, you can walk away from God. But you've got to realize you choose to walk away from God. God is not going to walk away from you. Can you see a bit of that? That's an important truth of chesed. That's what chesed is, the truth that God is going to stay with us no matter what. It is such a powerful word that it's used 248 times in Scripture, in case you're wondering. And it's such an amazing word. It's hard to describe in the human language, but God made a promise. Let me reframe this from Scripture. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Have you ever quoted that? Right? You're all quoting from Hebrews 13.5. It says, keep your life free from the love of money. Can you see a minute of that? Now, it doesn't mean money's bad. It's just telling you that that's not how you're going to find peace and contentment. Because the world would say, if you have enough money, you're going to be so much better. How many times have I watched on a game show people win money, and they will say, well, or the, or the host will say, this is a life-changing amount of money. And they're going, yeah, my life is going to be so much better now. I'm going to win the lottery, and that's a life-changing moment. That's what's going to make everything okay. And that's just not true. We know that's not true. Some of you are thinking, I don't know, I think that'd be really true for me. <laughs> well, the Word of God says, be content with what you have. When you go home and you look at what you got, be content with that. I mean, that's a challenge. For how is it that we get there? For he, God, has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says that in Joshua, he says that in Isaiah, he says that in Deuteronomy. The Lord who goes before you, Deuteronomy 31.8, he will be with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. And then it says, do not fear or be dismayed. So the promise of this is chased, because this is based on who God is. And God says, I'm the great I am. It says, though the mountains be shaken, the hills be moved, yet my unfailing chased for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. That's, that's God's promise to us. Chased is such a powerful thing. It actually carries through into the New Testament. Did you know that? Chased is completed by Jesus. And he changed the word from chased to agape. Agape completes chased. Chased is way up there. Agape is a little higher. 
And God says, I have agape love for you. I've always have chesed, but now I have chesed. Now that doesn't go away. And agape. Can you say amen to that? I was trying to think of chesed and the love of God. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, I'm a grandpa. So every now and then, I got to give you at least one grandpa story a, a Sunday, you know. And we had our, our cute little grand, we've had our kids for a couple of weeks. It's just been great. And uh, my little grandson, you know, he's like one year going on two. And uh, just, he is full of energy and, and excitement. He just, every now and then he does this thing where he goes, you know, and he's one years old, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm starting to get afraid when he does that, you know. And uh, the other day, he was so upset. He was crying, he was walking around, he looked lost, and he was like, he looked like he was suffering. He looked like Jeremiah. And he, he just, you know, he's, he's just like barely up to my knee, and he's, he's really upset. He comes up to me and bumps up to my leg, and then kind of looks at me with the tears coming down his eyes, and he puts his arms up. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I picked him up, and he's crying, and he's carrying on, and I picked him up, and I held him, and then he put his head down right here tucked himself into my neck, and he stopped crying. And there was peace. <laughs> there was chesed. <laughs> and the love that I shared, that he received, and the compassion that came brought a transformation. <laughs> and that's what it's like, because God says, I will bend down and pick you up. All you got to do is reach up. You see, that's what we learn about chased. Chased becomes agape. You know, you think about the examples. There are so many examples. You remember Ruth, the story of Ruth, and you remember her story? A lot of us do that. Remember, she lost her husband and Naomi right? Her, her mother-in-law is basically saying goodbye. You stay here. I'm, I'm going back to Israel. And, and Ruth said, wait, I'm going to go with you. Naomi said, no, don't. That's, that's a dumb idea. And Ruth said, no, where you go, I go. Where you live, I live. What you love, I love. And here's what Ruth was saying to her mother-in-law. I have said for you. And that word is used in the book of Ruth. Because what drove her to go with Naomi was chesed. And that chesed became agape. And that is what brought about, for God so agape the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. That's agape that was chased that became agape. God demonstrated his own love, agape, for us, that while we were still sinners, what did Christ do? Died for us. Chased became agape. 
the grace and the love and the compassion and the kindness, all of that led Jesus to the cross where he died, but then rose and ascended because he has chased that became agape. The Lord promised his compassions that they would never fail. God committed to us as his people that he would keep a covenant with us forever. Let's read it again. Lamentations 3.21. Ready? Out loud. Let's begin. Yet this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Stop. We got a new idea of that one, right? Let's continue. Because of the Lord's great love. Stop. Hassad. Continue. We are not consumed. For his compassions. Plural. Stop. I want you to hear that. His compassions. And what does it say? Never fail. Continue. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Compassion. Rakim. Rakim. Great Hebrew word. Here's what it literally means. You ready? This is the love a mom has for her baby while the baby's in the womb. It's that kind of thing that when God does this miraculous thing of life and creates life in a female, and that life begins to grow and develop, something happens with that human being because they have life in them. I just have not, there's been all kinds of things in conversations, but most all my conversations when that's happening, it's like, wow. I mean, this is amazing. It's challenging, depending upon which month you're in. I mean, there's something going on. Just watching that, it's an amazing thing. But what this is trying to describe is how God has compassions for us. As we're developing in life, as we're going through life, God is right there saying, I am always going to be here. And what's going to happen as if you, in that spiritual womb that is happening, God is going to see our growth and our development, and all of that's going to come because God is compassionate for us. He loves us. I was thinking about God and all of this, and I'm so glad that God's commitment is not affected by how he feels. Can you say amen to that? I've noticed that sometimes babies like kick mom. Right? I remember Lois getting kicked a few times and, you know, still had compassion though. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, you know, I mean, I, a lot of moms go through some interesting times, but you still love that child. And it's not based upon what that child does or doesn't do, it's based upon that amazing gift that God has brought about. God is not affected by how he feels towards, you know, it's all about his commitment to us. He has compassion. You know what? God is not cold. God is a, not cold. He's emotional. 
and he loves us. He has chased for us, and he has compassion for us. He will not abandon us. He will always be with us, and he will care for us because of how much he loves us. It's all connected. And once you see the connection of you cannot lose that. I mean, can anyone push God away? No. You can push as hard as you want against God and he's just not moving. Now, you can turn, turn away and walk away, but God says, I'm going to be compassionate for you. You can push hard as you want against me. I'm still going to have compassion for you. You can walk away. I'm still going to be here. What God has said is a true thing. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Because he has said, I have chakim. I have compassions. Plural. An ongoing thing. And they'll never fail. And he goes on and says, this God, the Lord, that God has promised his love and compassions are what? New. Every now and then? Once a year? Can you believe that? I read that and I thought, really? Every morning? No one is that good every morning. I'm not that good. There's some mornings I wake up and there is just not a lot going on. Of love and compassion. It's like I got to get out of bed. Let's read it again. Okay, Lamentations 3, 21. Ready, begin. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Stop. Continue. Because of the Lord's great love. Stop. Think about that. Continue. We are not consumed for his compassions. Right? Think about that. Continue. Never fail. Here it is. They are new every morning. Listen to that. No, don't, don't get ahead of me. I'm going to call the ushers down and we're going to be looking for you. Do not rush this word. Every morning, now you can continue. Great is your faithfulness. So here's the crazy thing. Every morning you wake up. Every morning you wake up, no matter what time it is, no matter what you say, no matter what your thought is, here's the deal. God's mercies are new at that moment. If you want to see it. You can be as grumpy as you want, sad as you want, upset as you want, but God's love is loyal. Now listen to this. Every second of the day, every minute of the day, every hour, every day, every week, Every month, every year, every decade, every century, throughout the millenniums, God's love is there. Can you say amen to that? It never changes. It's forever. You know, the best illustration, I think, and it really fits, is the illustration of Israel in the wilderness when they had manna every morning. It was new every morning. And then it got rotten in the evening. And then it came back and it was new again every morning. Now, I'm not suggesting that God's, you know, love and compassion gets rotten. <laughs> but it's new every morning. Now, how did Israel take that? Manna every morning. 
manna every, can you imagine oatmeal every morning? And that's it for the, for the whole day is oatmeal for your breakfast, your lunch, and your dinner. Now the first couple, you're going, this is great. But after a while, you get a little tired of it. Maybe you start taking it for granted. Maybe you even get a little bored with it. I wonder if we take God's love and compassion for granted. I wonder, now this is going to be a challenging statement, but I wonder if some of us get bored with it. We get bored with God's love and compassion, and we want something different. We want a new experience. We want a new feeling. This is just God's normal love and compassion. It's not enough for me today. Today, I mean, all I can expect is oatmeal. I want bacon and eggs today. No, I don't want bacon. I meant to say turkey bacon, sorry. Do you see what we do? We do, we do, this, we do that today. We, we do that, is, and my concern for the church is we take God's love and compassion for granted. And I think some people get actually bored with it because it's just not enough anymore. I've had people chase after all kinds of interesting adventures and desires and passions because I think they get bored. You've got to be careful with that. I think one of the most important things that God is doing today, he's leading us to the future. He's leading us into tomorrow. And he's saying, this is how I'm going to do this, is that every morning that you wake up, I'm going to make new my love and compassions for you. You don't have to ever go without. And, and then he says, and, and here's my promise, I'll always be faithful to you. I'm always going to be faithful to you. Let's read it again, Lamentations 3, 21 and 23. Ready, begin. Yet this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope. Oh, you got it. Thank you. Because of the Lord's great love. Ready? We are not consumed. For his compassions. Oh, someone got ahead of me. Ready? Never fail. They are new. Stop. New. Listen, they are new. Ready? Every morning, great is your faithfulness. What a great way to end this passage. Amen. Amen. Faith. Amen. We might say amen. 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 In other words... Great is your faithfulness. We have absolute, complete confidence. We can have that because of who God is. It literally means great is your faithfulness is what he brings to us that we in turn can say, and we get the word, amen. I believe it. You realize some... some 
people would say, well, amen means so be it, which is one way of thinking about it. But it also better means I believe it. Every now and then someone I'm speaking will say, amen. And what I hear is, I believe it. Man, what you're just saying, I, I believe that. I receive that. Man, I have faith for that. Great is your faithfulness. Hmm. And what God is saying here is, in this statement in Lamentations, is great your faithfulness. Okay, you ready? Not just for today, but also for tomorrow. His faithfulness is good all the way into heaven. And this connects directly as a messianic statement that Jesus, he died but rose and ascended so that you and I someday will be with him. I mean, you've got to realize that here is in a moment when God's people are being dragged away, forcibly marched towards Babylon. They're leaving their home. And they're trying to survive a, a devastation that is unimaginable. And they're listening and they're realizing and they're hearing Jeremiah say, at that moment as they're walking out, great is your faithfulness, God. And everyone's hearing that because he wants them to remember that, to declare it. Because here's what Timothy wrote to the church. You ready for this? Chapter 2, verse 13. If we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Isn't that interesting? The consistency of the word of God. So the Lord our God, Adonai, Aloheinu, the Lord our God is faithful to us. Here's the question. Are you faithful to him? He's faithful to you. Are we faithful to him? See, our future hangs not on the strength of our faith, but on the strength of God's faithfulness. Can you say amen to that? Someone was telling me, I'm in a time in my life where it seems like God's against me. Someone else said to me not too long ago, I'm not sure God hears my prayer. I've heard a lot of people share over the last couple of years, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. I've lost hope. But here's how you regain that hope. By remembering God's chassad. He has covenant love for you that's not dependent upon how you feel. He's compassionate. He's faithful. He's our provider. He has grace for us. And as we go through the most difficult times of our life, you can remember this passage. You know, sometimes life can be hard and very challenging. You and I know that. And, you know, sometimes it's not because you've done anything wrong. Maybe you have done something wrong. All right? Yeah, maybe we do a few things every now and then, and there's consequences of those things. But I want you to know that if you leave here today and something happens to your health, 
or something happens to your home, your car, whatever, it doesn't mean that God is paying you back for something. Just because something happened doesn't mean God is paying you back for some evil that you've done. You know, we need to understand that when bad things happen to us, it's not always because we've done something wrong. It could be because we've done something right. Ever thought about that? But what's the basis of our hope when we face these difficult times? Chased. Compassion. Faithfulness. Love. New. Consistency. All of these things that we are reading reminds us, Jesus, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that's being described in Lamentations 3 is the same God we have today who will be the same God that you're going to have tomorrow. So what's our response? Well, let's read Lamentations chapter 3. Verse 24. I'm reading from the message. I love how the message paraphrases Eugene Peterson. I'm sticking with God. I love that. I say it over and over again. I'm sticking with God. I am totally sticking with God. Well, wait a second. God, aren't you the one who allowed this to happen? I mean, you're letting my people be taken captive. Isn't there another choice here? And here's what Jeremiah is saying. I want you to get this. The same God that was allowing this captivity to take place is the same God that they're going to turn back to. Because that is the only answer we have. And that's where the world gets in trouble. They think, how can I turn back to the God who somehow allowed or stood by on this, and then I have no other option? And that's why we want other options. But there is only one option. His name is Jesus. And when you turn to him, you begin to reflect on the truth of this. He's all I've got left, Jeremiah says. God proves to be good to a man who passionately waits hopes to a woman who diligently seeks is a good thing. It's a good thing to quietly hope, quietly hope for help from God. Can you say amen to that? Yet I call this to mind, therefore I have hope because the Lord's great love. We are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. That changes everything. 